It's time to pull up a chair and open your Bible for today's Bible study segment of Naomi's Table. Now, here's our teacher, Ruth Christian. Hello again, everyone. Yeah, today we just want to take a little time here and we're going to consider righteousness. I didn't really talk about what it means um, in the last, our last lesson. And so let's just think about it today a bit. In our study of 1 John, John has been dealing with righteousness in the life of a child of God. He said that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him and is righteous because Jesus is righteous and his life is in us. In other words, righteousness is available for the child of God. John has taught us that it should be manifested in us. A child of God will practice righteousness and love their brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember, that's the main verse in the middle of the chapter. We took time to consider love previously, but now we're going to take some time to examine righteousness more fully. So let's start by answering the question, what is righteousness? The word for righteousness in the Greek is used of whatever is right or just in itself and therefore conforms to the revealed will of God. Righteousness is whatever God decrees man to acknowledge and obey. And just a note here, it's what God says, not what man thinks. Biblically speaking, righteousness is the sum total of the requirements of God. Righteousness is also used to refer to and individuals religious duties. We see this in Matthew 6 where Jesus tells us to beware of practicing our righteous acts, good things, such as giving, praying, fasting, in order to be seen by others. So you see there's the wrong motive there. Finally, righteousness is an attribute of God. It's the very essence of God's being. Jesus was made sin for you and me that we might be made his righteousness. I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It never gets old to ponder what I call the great exchange. When we're born again, we begin this new life with the ability to be righteous by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. If we're going to live a righteous lifestyle which means practicing righteousness, it must be a priority to us. Jesus had much to say about righteousness and or righteous lifestyle that we should be living. The righteous lifestyle of one who belongs to the kingdom of heaven. That's really what the Sermon of the Mount is all about. It's the main theme in the sermon, Matthew 5 through 7. Bottom line of of Jesus' message is this, righteousness is an absolute necessity for those who are going to enter the kingdom of heaven. In in Matthew 5, verse 20, he said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, we must understand, to really understand this fully, there are two kinds of righteousness, and they're reflected in the previous verse, the one I just read from the sermon. It's important that we know which is which so that we don't become confused and think we have the genuine when we really don't. 
this, the distinction here is really quite simple. There is a self-righteousness and there is a righteousness that comes from God. It's not our own. It comes from him. The scribes and the Pharisees had the former. We are to have the latter. To understand godly righteousness, it helps to better understand self-righteousness. Let me ask, are you in a place as a Christian that you're preoccupied with the external requirements, perhaps even becoming caught up in self-righteousness that's blinded you to the true heart-transforming righteousness that's based on faith alone? Self-righteousness is always man's interpretation or addition to the clear-cut teaching of God's Word. It's a process of tacking on extra laws, requirements, expectations, and then saying that if you're really going to be righteous, you must keep all these. And in the heart, it's a judging of others by your standards rather than God's. Now, true righteousness, God's righteousness begins in us with a dissatisfaction, excuse me, a yearning when sin's presence within is finally realized, an inner longing should be kindled in us, a longing to be righteous. It comes from a heart that's totally needy for God and mourns at sin. With every glimpse of God's shining holiness and purity comes an accompanying awareness of self as described in Isaiah 64, 6. And this is the King James Version. But we are, we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our, in, our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. In and of myself, I'm unclean. I've fallen short of God's standard of perfection. All my righteousness is as filthy rags in God's sight. We realize this is the whole point we're saying here. And again, how awesome it is that when we think of the great exchange that Jesus has given us his righteousness. Now, we begin to hunger and thirst for real righteousness when we have that kind of heart, when we realize who we were. And we come to God with a poverty of spirit realizing without him we can do nothing. Many who profess to be believers want heaven, life, eternity. Who doesn't? When we hear the good news about eternal life through Jesus Christ, some think, yay, no hell, and then take their free gift and walk away. And since they have the problem of heaven and hell settled, at least in their minds they do, They imagine, well, now we can get back to living our life as we please. But can we? Does true Christianity allow us to go back to living our own lives? Absolutely not. We cannot belong to God and live any way we please. True Christianity is total commitment of oneself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This total commitment begins with a commitment and a priority to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6, verse 33. Jesus tells us how believer, the believer should seek righteousness. 
In Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, to hunger and thirst for righteousness means we should want it daily. Just like we hunger and thirst for food, and or hunger for food and thirst for water. As we abide, the fullness of righteousness is ours for the taking. I would say probably this verse, because we live in the U.S. or in a Western culture, many of us might find it hard to understand the intensity of two words here, hungering and thirsting, because we live in a land of abundance. But it means it's a necessity for life. We want it no matter what it costs. It's to crave God and it's to crave holiness. Now, may I ask you, do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? To hunger and thirst after righteousness is to desire with all our being to live and walk the way God says to live and walk. Because we love him, we will obey the truth of his word. We will practice righteousness. Remember, in 1 John, obedience, love, and truth are the tests of sonship and the tests of fellowship with God. If it's our heart of hearts to hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's Jesus that tells us we will be blessed we will be filled, or the word means we will be satisfied. So let me ask again, is it the habit of your life to hunger and thirst for righteousness? In closing, may this be our prayer. Oh God, open my eyes to any ways in which I've redefined righteousness by my standards rather than yours alone. I want to experience the life-transforming righteousness that comes only by the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Until next time, precious sisters, stay close to Jesus and keep looking up.